Welcome to Meg Talks, the Move with Meg podcast. I'm Megan Kerrigan and I'll be sharing ideas on how you can become a more consistent and confident dancer that understands your body and mind. You're going to let the number that Judge writes on a piece of paper determine how you think your mum feels about you. Yeah. And she was like, oh my goodness, that's so silly. Yeah, <laughs> she's like when you put it that way it's really silly hi guys and welcome back to meg talks our brand new move with meg podcast um i am back with another guest episode today so today's guest is annabelle um lots of you will have heard of her i hope by now <laughs> you haven't you're about to um so i'll give you a little bit of an introduction first um and this is where hopefully you, you should feel quite happy and you should smile at this Annabelle because I'm oh, going to be safe. nice um <laughs> Annabelle is like the person that keeps me on track first and foremost she keeps me calm and in check she keeps me in the zone and focused because there's loads going on all the time so I can trust that Annabelle can can bring me back to where I need to be um she definitely is one of the key parts of the business that keeps the business running and running smoothly um and <laughs> i've written here she is the gift that keeps on giving which is oh I'm gonna what use i see in like your sort of progress from when we started working together sort of to now when you're doing your mindset stuff and and you just seem to grow with what you can offer and what what you're doing really for move with meg so welcome annabelle Oh, thank you. I am smiling. Good job. There you go. <laughs> See, that's nice. <laughs> because it is. Keep you me- don't tend to say those things, do you, to people? Like, I try to do it as much as I can, like, um, send a message and say, you know, thanks, you're really, really helpful and stuff like that. But hearing it said out loud is quite nice sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, you're actually very good at that, to be fair. You do you always send. Yeah, yeah, really good. I, like, yeah, I, do- I think I'm conscious of that because I think it really... People should know if they're doing something good or if you like look up to them or if you're grateful for them. So yeah, I try I do try my best to to keep you do a good job and it's very much appreciated. It does always put a smile on my face. And there you go, and it makes it makes you want to work harder, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Keeping you calm is a full-time job, Meg. It is, I know. Um, so we're going to start with a little interview like we did um, in the last episode and then we'll go through some other little piece bits and pieces um, that you don't know too much about um, oh, no. I'm sure <laughs> you will smash them so firstly in your words and in your sort of way of looking at it how did you come to work with me and move with Meg the business so I started working with you and Move with Meg as a business in June 2020. So it's been a, got a date and everything, guys. I remember it exactly. It was during COVID. It was summer. We were in the back garden. It was sunny. And I remember because I'd worked with you a little bit as a dancer. Yeah. And I'd been doing your lockdown workouts. Love that. And I, like, cream message through on my business page. And I was like, oh, mum. Like, Meg's messaged me asking for help. And you were very <laughs> nervous about it. But, as well, as you say, as I've grown, so have you. You've got a lot better at that. So, yeah, I started working with Meg and you as a business, as a virtual assistant. And then that has gradually grown then into social media manager, blog writer, and now mindset coach. Yeah. So, we keep growing and growing. But I remember... Give the kicks I'm giving, see? The kick, that's it. I'm getting that on a T-shirt. But, that T-shirt. Yeah, I remember it exactly. Um, so to begin with, obviously, I know the answers to this, but for everyone listening, um, sort of explain what you were doing at the very, very start. Because it's quite, it's quite a funny little <laughs> starting setup, wasn't it, really? Yeah, so at the very start, you wanted help as a virtual assistant, keeping you calm, someone as a sounding board you could bounce ideas off, someone who was going to help you answer emails and answer messages and generally just keep the background of the business ticking along yeah and and I remember that one of the first things I asked you to do because remember in lockdown I was doing those workouts and then they started quite small and I was like tracking people's scores 
yeah this is like how I remember I was like one day I was just like I can't do this anymore I need help um so I used to track everybody's scores for their cardio workouts or their different workouts we were doing every single day in lockdowns this was something different every day and um I used to track try to track people's scores so we'd be we'd go live on Facebook we'd do the workout I'd get everyone writing in the comments so People were writing, like, sometimes we do two rounds or three rounds. So people would write their score in the comments. And then I would afterwards sit down and go through and write them all into an Excel spreadsheet. And there were so many people joining them workouts in lockdown. Yeah. Well, at the beginning, it was so easy to manage because it was the only thing I was doing each day, like that workout. So that's kind of why I put so much more work into it. And then like the tracking. And then more and more people started joining. Next thing it were in like the hundreds. And I was having like hundreds of scores to try and keep track of. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the same time as more people were joining, people were asking for other things like school workshops and other things that were keeping me busier. Um and that's when I was like, I need help. So I remember that was like one of the first things I asked you to do. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. I shouldn't have done. I probably blocked it out of my memory. Yeah. Like, there so many scores to go. Still through. got the spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, we do still have this. Actually, that would be quite interesting to go back. And do one of those workouts again and get yeah. everyone to give it a go. I'd ask everyone to put their new scores in like two or three years later. That would be so interesting, wouldn't it? I remember yes, as well, like, just, just that whole process. Like, that was... Where the business was born basically um it grew very quickly you were yeah. one of the people where lockdown probably really saved your business yeah well, hindered it um so yeah it grew really quickly i remember even just from the summer to the end of the year the difference because i think that was just when you started launching the online club yeah after january or something like that um and it was just like the difference between just doing these daily workouts to that growing to hundreds of people to now we've actually got online clubs and people joining us all the time and running multiple like sessions a day yeah it's crazy isn't it and, and your sort of development through that as well grew that whole time didn't it I remember like each month or every couple of weeks I'd have a meeting with Annabelle and I'd be like um, have you got any and I forget that Annabelle works with other people as well sometimes <laughs> because I'm quite bossy which you're used to um so I'd be like, Annabelle, can you do this? Annabelle, can you do that? And then sometimes I have to like check myself and be like, she doesn't just do your work, Megan. She has other <laughs> things. So then I got to the point of like, do you have any more time that you could spend working with me? <laughs> I always find time to work with Move with Meg. That's but yeah, it. Eight other people I work for. As right. Well as so lots and lots to manage. The queen of time management by the signs of it. We'll That's it. Like that in a while. <laughs> Um, talk me through then your Irish dance career and journey, really. So from when you started to, I suppose, where we are now. So grab a cup of tea, everyone. This could be, a long, <laughs> could be a long story. So I started dancing when I was six. Mum has always done, not Irish dancing, but she's always had dance as a part of her life and wanted oh, her daughter okay. to do it. My mum was a Morris dancer and a ballroom dancer. Wow. And she had to be a Morris dancing judge. So we used to go around, um, so we'd, when I eventually was fashion, we'd have Irish dance fashion Saturday, and then we'd spend Sundays at Morris dance competitions where mum would judge. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's how we spent quite a lot. I did a bit, little bit of Morris dancing as a child, not a lot at all. I so, have um, a couple of clients, um, Americans, Josephine and Rosemary, and they do both. And they're, they're really quite good at um, Morris dancing too. I need to, put, I should put you in touch with them. <laughs> yeah, you should do. Every now and then, mum's still in touch with them. I was dance friends, so every now and then we go and watch a competition. Get, Sa get Sandra onto them, that's class. <laughs> yeah, get Sandra on. She'd love it. <laughs> so I started doing ballet and tap. Mum said it was too slow for me. I was still doing good toes, naughty toes, after two and a half years. She was like, you were bored. You needed mm. something that was a bit more energetic than that. So it was actually advertised in a church newsletter that Irish dance classes were starting in our local village. So mum took me along, age six, to the McNamara School, which was run by two sisters, Kate and Siobhan, who are actually relatives of Avian. Aha! Uh -huh. Where that link comes in. So I danced for Kate and Siobhan then from when I was six all the way till I was 19. It oh truly was, yeah, truly was a home away from home. 
they're fantastic friends still. We still go and see them all the time. Amazing role models for the majority of my dancing journey. We had some brilliant memories. I was their first world qualifier. I was their first dancer to get a solo dress. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I was the first to do quite a lot with them. And obviously, every first I had, we shared together. We were very, very close. That's really special, yeah. Yeah, we had a really, really good bond. Um, And then when I was 19, they decided to close their dance school. And it was six weeks before the World Championships in Montreal. And it was before this rule came in where you had to sit to transfer. So I didn't have to transfer. Six weeks before the Worlds, we'd obviously paid for flights and accommodation. I danced the All Scotland, which was my final competition with them, which was, as you imagine, very, very upsetting. Emotional, yeah. Emotional. And then I joined the Morgan School in Manchester. So I'd gone from walking down the road to my dance classes to where mum was very, very involved. She used to sit outside and do the register and take the money and things like that. So mum was very involved with dancing. yeah. Yeah, very involved in the school. And then we ended up at Morgan's which was brilliant. We went there with, when McNamara closed, we went to a few different schools. So there was me and Neve, Holly and Emily and Abby. So there was four of us that then went to Morgan's and it was brilliant. We ended up getting the joys of car sharing to Manchester. We had, I met some fantastic friends at Morgan, learned a lot there learned how to dance much higher on my toes than I've ever danced before. (laughs) And then in September, I put an application in and then got an audition for Lords of the Dance. Amazing. So went down to London for my audition, which was meant to be six hours. And then they said, can you stay till Friday? And this was Monday. <laughs> I was like, I have no accommodation and no clothes. And I have a train booked in like two hours. So well, yes. what, what am I going to do? I had a job, I, well, only like a little cafe job at home. While I was in uni, I was in uni as well. I was like, what am I doing about that? So mm-hmm. came home on the train and me and mum made a plan then to get me back down there on Tuesday. So went back to the my little job. They said it was fine. I was very lucky that I was friends with Ryan Lally, who was in the show, who let me stay with him while mm-hmm. I did my week there. And Avine was there as well at the time. So stayed, successfully auditioned and then got my job then in Lord a few weeks later. How old were you then? How old were you when you joined the show? 20. 20. I was 20 when I joined the show. So that was absolutely brilliant. Honestly, one of the best times of my life. So I went down to the West End, had to go into uni and be like, please, can I defer my last year? My dad, I don't think, was very impressed, but he got on board once he saw me on stage. Of course. So went down and then, yeah, performed in the West End. Absolute dream come true. I do, you know, I was this little girl from a school in a village. I'd never had a world recall at this point. So obviously no world medal, never, you know, I'd placed once on a major podium. I wasn't this big name. So I just felt like it was such a massive accomplishment to come from such a tiny and small background to do this from pure hard work. Going in, going into that audition, what was your what was your brain saying? What we what was your internal chat? What was going on inside that mind? I mean, I was delighted to just get to that point where you go down and be invited for an audition. Okay. And I remember thinking the audition was in a West End theatre. It was in the Palladium. Yeah. So I remember thinking if all else fails, I've danced on the West End. Yeah. Like, it's fine. There you so, go. I like that. If all else fails, I've danced on the West End. And then unexpectedly, Michael Flatley arrived. <laughs> and everyone he likes was- to do that, doesn't he? A nice little surprise for you all. Yeah. Everyone, even like the people running the audition were like didn't know he was coming today remember him chatting to me talking about Liverpool obviously quite a strong accent we understood where I was from yeah straight away when he came out my mum asked him for a picture I was like mum please stop <laughs> like she's getting selfies and putting it on Facebook do right fair play you've got to take these opportunities when they come yeah so the it was just basically go down have fun so do you feel like you went into that with no expectation yeah and do you think that made a difference to maybe how you actually got on? Probably, yeah. I was, I didn't go in with any pressure on my shoulders. I was looking yeah. around the room at these people that are top 10 in the world and are on major podiums and have done other shows. I yeah. didn't 
I did a show when I was 17 around the UK, um, a smaller show, and I absolutely loved that. And that's where I got a bit of the buzz from. Yeah. But I was looking around at all these people. I'd done lots of other different things and was like, what are you doing here? A little bit. So I was like, just go for it. What's the worst that's going to happen? You've danced yeah. on a Western stage and you've had a good day. It's interesting, isn't it? How, and I feel like um, there's lots of stories like that. For example, Avine, same, never got that world medal and was really dreaming of it. Never thought she was good enough to be in a show. Um, but it's not about that. Show dancing and competitive dancing are so different. They're like, different skills completely. Yeah. And it's just like how dancing is a completely different skill to teaching. Oh, 100%, yeah. And I sort of probably experienced that in the opposite way I went in as a world champion and, and I expected of myself that I would be really good at this but I was not good at all at show <laughs> for a long time it took me probably five years to settle into it and I was lucky enough that I got the opportunity because to be honest looking back I, I wasn't good enough probably um I couldn't move my arms I wasn't very natural looking <laughs> everything I had ever learned in Irish dancing and, and me winning my titles was through pure hard hard work and like repetitiveness and all of that like drilled into me so this whole like being floaty and being being nice and smooth and elegant and nice to watch just wasn't me at all <laughs> I mean I got there again with that hard work and consistency and not giving up but I, it genuinely took five years um, it's just a different type of hard work, a different type of drilling, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's so it's so different. And um, yeah, you look back at, and, and some I just laugh and I think, wow, I must have been. The people that were like older than me, like the, the people that had been in the show for years must have been looking, thinking, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they were thinking the same about us on our first show as well. We had yeah, quite, we learned the whole show. Well, I had Monday off, so I had to catch you up on Monday. And then... We did 12-hour days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then came back. I think we had about two days of rehearsal, and then it was opening night. Crazy, like, wasn't it? That it transition was really, for you guys yeah, was, around, was really which, fast. But I loved it. Loved absolutely every minute. Mum and Dad came down to opening night, and I went to meet them before the show and had some food with them, and then got a FaceTime from my best friend Lucy saying I'm on the train. I'm coming down to see you. I burst into tears. Oh, I just got goosebumps. A family friend of ours, Ellie. Um, so them two came down to see me, which was amazing as well. Completely yeah. unexpected. And then every weekend I had, I was only in the West End for six weeks before I went to Europe. So every weekend I had different family members and friends. Kate and Siobhan came to watch me. They it's were delighted. Amazing. They were like, you've got the most crossed feet. And we taught you cross. They were made up with We themselves. did that. That was probably another first for them. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There you go. Most definitely. So, yeah, That's people nice. like, we taught her cross. Like, yeah, we taught her. They were made um, up and then I went to Europe. And then tell us what happened after that then. So you went to Europe, you did that show, and then? Yeah, came home. I broke my toe in the show. Oh, lovely. About a week before the end of the show. And they were saying, you know, we can take you to the hospital or, you know, you, you can sit out. It's completely up to you. We can get it checked if you want. But my cousin lives in Australia she was flying over to watch me in Poland mm. and then was flying back to England with me for Christmas on the right. very last show. And I was like, for the sake of like four days, I'll just go through it. It's fine. <laughs> so That's flew your Irish dancer mentality. <laughs> isn't it just? And obviously was then off because I had to actually heal my injury. And during that time, I did a lot of self-reflection, a lot of thinking and decided then that I wanted to transfer to the Marie Connell School in the Midlands, that took a lot of persuasion for my dad because I surprised. I didn't drive at the time. Marie, Marie's classes are two hours away from my house. It was four times a week. Dance class finished at 9.45. It wow. was, yeah, so it was a lot of me and mum being out the house. So and I, a lot of, uh, that's a big commitment, isn't it? Yeah, massive commitment. But it was, I did get to the point where it was, I either go here or I don't dance. These are my options. I, how did you persuade your dad? I had to sit on his knee and cry like a little girl. <laughs> I was 20. It was ridiculous. Please, please. I was like, please let me go, dad. So I eventually got round him. And it was brilliant from the first class. I walked out and I was like, this is the place for me. Yeah. Like, this is definitely the right place. So it was good that that commitment definitely paid off. 
Yeah, and, and I suppose in another way, you hear people talk about this, investment often leads to more commitment and more focus because um, for the example of paying a monthly subscription for gym classes rather than paying as you go, you're actually more likely to turn up each week because the investment is already there. And that's like, for you, the investment of your mom spending the time driving you there, forgetting about the petrol and all of that on top of it, but the investment of time from not only you, but other people around you. Do you feel like yeah. that made you focus and commit more or do you think that played a part? Probably played a small part. I think the main difference was the sense of community the school had, the right. togetherness. And that's what I always had in McNamara. Right. Which I think is what I missed quite a lot when I went to Morgan's. But they were an absolutely fantastic school and I don't regret like transferring there I learned a lot I've got fantastic friends brilliant teachers absolutely amazing teachers who I'm still quite friendly with now at competitions which is lovely as well it's all just part of the journey and I just think each dancer just needs to find the school for them yeah and that's what's really important what works for your friend may not work for you and that's okay that's hard that's hard to think about as a dancer isn't it yeah because just like everyone's got different training schedules and everyone's got different strengths and weaknesses Everyone just has a teaching style or a school style or a feeling inside. Yeah. I was very, very upset when McNamara closed. My mum's always said she doesn't think no matter where I transferred to would have been right because I wasn't ready to accept Amazing. a new school. Yeah. I wasn't in, you know, it wasn't my choice to transfer. I never, ever would have left McNamara. Yeah. So probably regardless of where I went. You wouldn't have been. It probably wouldn't have had the same feeling. I wasn't ready mentally. That makes sense. It. Um, but yeah, I ended up with Marie Connell and I danced with Marie then for six years. I did team dancing, which was a fantastic experience. I love, love Kaylee dancing. Had you ever done teams before this point? <laughs> I did a little bit when I was about nine for McNamara. We did the right. British National. That was it. I think we just did one. So that was that was the only team experience you'd had. Yeah, so pretty much went in cold. So my first team, we danced Dublin Worlds and we were third, and Amazing. I was most over the moon I've never stared at a world medal so much in my life like having the <laughs> globe that. in my room I was like what is life this is just ridiculous how is this cool. life um and yeah I did a I achieved a lot with Marie I placed on more major podiums I won my qualifying which was a massive achievement and it's something I talk about a lot I got my world recall yeah all world medals and team fantastic friends that I'm still all friends with and I'm still very, very close to the school. I love that. And then talk us through your sort of retirement journey then. Because I was kind of, I was around for that period. So talk, talk us through how you came to that decision, why you came to that decision and sort of the emotions and the processes that you went through. Yeah, you were definitely around at this point. It took me, so when I transferred to Marie just before I was 21, a few months before, and then around my 21st birthday, I ended up with a nerve damage condition, which took a year to diagnose. I was 22 when that was diagnosed. And that really, really affected my dancing because it mainly affects my feet. So it made it very, very difficult to dance, which is when the two-day rule at the Worlds came in, caused me a lot of issues. If we had dance class two days in the run, I could only ever do one and couldn't do the other because I physically couldn't dance the next day. Yeah. So when the two-day rule for the world came in, plus it being in America, which is a massive expense and a massive commitment, it just didn't seem feasible or possible for me to do it. And to be able to give it my all, I didn't want to have a fantastic day one and then not be able to dance day two to yeah. the best of my ability. So we foregoed the world and then COVID hit not long after. I was planning on retiring at the next world, right. which obviously never happened it ended up taking me 20 months to retire from the original plan to my actual retirement day was 20 months wow. which was a long long time I, I think I learned about three set dancers in the process of retiring a long time with a with a lot of a lot of big things going on in the world not even in your life like in the world so yeah definitely like we all had a lot to deal with I did a degree, I did a master's, I started a business. Right. <laughs> like, it was just mental. So when the actual retirement came, which was we decided the All Scotlands, 
The Old Scotlands was my last fesh with McNamara. It was the last place I went as a Morgan dancer. So I felt it was just appropriate that it was the last place I went. Oh, as that's, I no, that's really nice. Well. I didn't know that. And it all came, I actually started dancing in October as well. So it was 20 years to the month from six to 26. Oh my gosh. That's but we felt like it was just an appropriate time and place. A nice tie end. Yeah, it just seemed like full yeah. circle. Yeah. I had a lot, I had three major injuries in COVID. I spent 10 months consistently injured. Oh. I had a stress I don't fracture. Know why I'm laughing at that. I'm just like, oh God. It was awful. I had a stress fracture in my spine and that had me out for 16 weeks. I couldn't even, I yeah, I, couldn't, that. I wasn't allowed to stretch. I wasn't allowed to walk. Like, it was awful. That just came on really randomly as well. Like, didn't fall or nothing. It was really bizarre. So that had me up for a long time. And then I came back and I danced for about eight weeks. And then I sprained my ankle across Fun. three ligaments. So then I was out again. And then I was back six weeks and I was dancing my light round on a Zoom with Marie and another one of our dancers, Emily, and went over my ankle again. I was screaming in the back room. Poor Marie and Emily didn't know what to do with themselves. I remember this. Wasn't your mum like? I thought you were just having a great time. Mum and dad were just looking at me. They thought I was laughing. Like, and then my dad couldn't get the Zoom off. And I was like, put me on silent. And he was put on the camera in my face saying, how do I put it on silent? So I was just screaming in poor Marie and Emily's faces. It was horrendous. So yeah, that had, that had me out then till a week and a half before the three nations so I had three classes before the three nations oh my gosh dance that and then six weeks later dance the old Scotland and retired oh my but goodness my actual retirement competition was lovely it was you know I danced as well as I could have done I got a really good result I just enjoyed my time on stage it was incredibly emotional I think my mum cried every day for about 10 days beforehand <laughs> it was so lovely we had loads of presents delivered even from people I danced with in McNamara that I may have not Aww. spoken to in a while and those that like transferred to other schools that I'd impacted when I was with them oh, that's loads. so nice yeah it was lovely you know you didn't realize <laughs> you don't really realize do you like, no of course well, 20 years is a very long time and and it sounds like because of that journey, you've you've met a lot of people along the way. Some people start with a school, for example, me. I well, I kind of danced for two schools, but one mainly for the whole time in my career. So you kind of don't realise that like you're making those little bubbles of people yeah. every time you've transitioned. Definitely. And I was helping the beginners at McNamara from being about nine to ten. I was always because mum was outside collecting the money. So yeah. I used to go in and help Siobhan teach. And then I used to help with the prelim class. And we I used to be in charge of teaching people displays. If we had a Irish night to do and things, I'd choreograph all them. So I worked, uh, I think I was at one point near the end, I used to be at the beginner class, the intermediate class, and then dance my own classes. Yeah. So geez. every single class they had, I was there. You were but, there for the whole thing, yeah. But I might as well have been like with them. <laughs> it was ridiculous but I loved it and it was like it was where I learned a lot of my teaching skills yeah but I danced for them too I danced for my teachers at Morgan I danced for Marie and I've learned different teaching skills from them all and yeah. I think when you tie all the, that together you learn quite a lot without even knowing it well and and like you said what like you mentioned before all of them have different styles so you you take the bits that you like and that's what you would take and what somebody else would take from those would be completely different but you take the bits that suit you and that works for you and then you can sort of you naturally begin to implement them yourself when you're talking to others or when I bet when you're yeah. talking to your mindset clients as well do you feel like you hear some of your own teachers coming through in any of that yeah massively I hear myself repeating like phrases and things they said and I'm like oh there they are again Funny, <laughs> there's in my head saying that <laughs> there's Marie in my head saying that it's so mad. yeah it definitely you know and even watching teachers teach other people can be quite interesting as well and seeing how they change their style dependent on the dancer yes and that's super important of, isn't it because like, like kind of a good teacher of course got, it is yeah being able to adapt and knowing yeah, all the people I worked with had that ability it was really interesting to actually watch as well as obviously be a part of. And and 
I think you don't you don't realize when you're really young and then when you get to a certain age you realize that they they just know how to get the best out of you I remember Michael used to run I would need him like screaming in my face <laughs> and like whereas other dancers he didn't do that and I was like why when I was younger I just thought I, I didn't really think too much about it but I noticed it and then as I grew older I realized like they would not react in the way I would to that that would put them off that would stop them dancing as hard that would upset them or distract them whereas I needed it like yeah if someone screamed like that at me I'd probably cry like Maria used to, used to have to give me a look and I used to be like oh you used <laughs> to run, run around the stage after me genuinely like poor Michael used to get the most work he would probably burn more calories than we did in class <laughs> running rings around us and it, and I used to go home with them in in the car after class and he'd be oh my head is pounding and I'm like I'm not surprised <laughs> he just spends the whole two three hours just like <laughs> like in a motivating way but uh, of course like it still takes a toll on you and I remember we we started myself and my brother started um dancing for Michael Michael Kenny and I remember well I don't really remember but mum says that I was I think three and Danny was four my brother and she said after about we did one class session she said we we just were so petrified Michael wasn't even teaching us he was teaching the older dancers across the other side of the big room in the Irish centre but he was shouting but as a four-year-old shouting just sounds like shouting whereas as I grew older and I ended up full circle I went to Glendarrett in the meantime and then they closed and I ended up back at Kenny I I then realized that the shouting was good shouting yeah definitely <laughs> and it was what I wanted <laughs> yeah you want it then full circle full circle um so from sort of all of your experiences then what have you um learn maybe through the show maybe through what you're doing now maybe through your qualifications that you've got since what would you do differently if you could go back to competitive dancing now and I know that's probably probably a bit of a different question for you because it was more recent but in general what what do you think you would implement more now or what would you do more of or less of or what would you change yeah so me and mum were talking about this recently actually because it's been a year since I retired and we're, we're going back to the qualifying. Well, it would be in a few weeks by the time this is posted, but in a few yeah. weeks' time. And we were having this conversation, so it's probably apt that this has come up. And I did retire, and in the little post that I wrote when I retired, I did write, you know, I do have no regrets. I gave absolutely everything for 20 years. Yeah. And I, I always wanted to retire without regrets, and that was something that felt like an accomplishment well, it but is 100%. If I could go back and do things differently, mum would change things different than me, and this is where this conversation came in. But I definitely would. I look back on my teenage years, probably 13 to about 17, and I do wish I put less pressure on myself. Right. very much self-imposed pressure as a teenager. I, very, I linked my results too closely to my identity and my own self-worth. And I was always, you know, I've spoken the close relationship I had with Kate and Siobhan and my mum was doing a lot as well. And even though the school was only 15 minutes down the road and we had no idea what was to come with the M6. Yeah. We didn't, I had no idea about the two hour journey in the future, but mum was doing a lot and I was so close to Kate and Siobhan. I was so thankful for all the hard work they put into me and everything they were doing for me in my eyes at the time. My way to repay that back was to bring back silver cups, was to win. Right. And because when I wasn't winning or when I didn't win, it felt devastating. It right. felt like letting people down. It felt like I couldn't express my gratitude as much as I wanted because okay. they were putting all this hard work. And if I wasn't winning, how else could I thank them? So I think that's definitely, it definitely took the fun away for a while. I look back, I have diaries from the time and I look back at the things I wrote and I think, oh my goodness, the pressure you were putting on yourself, it became a mission rather than a passion right yeah I like that that's interesting definitely something think, that change do you think you notice that more because you did your um NLP or do you think that's just come with experience to, to like what's it's definitely a combination of both yeah I think 
exposing myself when I went to Morgan's and danced amongst that because I was always one of the most successful dancers at McNamara. I went to Morgan's where they had more successful dancers than me and I learned a lot from that experience and I went to yeah. Marie and they had more um, successful dancers than I was and I learned a lot from each one of them and it kind of became to understand that that's not you don't link your results to your self-worth that even these world champions that I was dancing with were having bad days yeah even these people that I thought were invincible yeah were just normal people yeah like, like yourself I would have been sat in the audience probably watching your results and I remember watching you win the world one year and being in the audience and yeah. probably thinking that that girl's got no problems that girl life is sorted she's world champion every yeah. I used to think life would be okay if I got a world medal and I used to see pictures of world medals up around my bedroom and all over the house and it was I was trying to motivate myself but probably in the wrong way I was just putting too much pressure on myself so it definitely helped with age exposing myself to a bigger fish of dancers exposing myself to other people definitely helped and that was something that them closing their school benefited me because I never would have left them so I would never have had that opportunity it's interesting that you bring that point up. I I was listening to a podcast podcast yesterday. Get it out, and um, it was Stephen Bartlett, the Diary of a CEO, a different person because this is when I, I mentioned another one of those podcasts on Aveen's, um chat. So it's yeah, I like podcasts. I like those because they're such different people that you listen to. And sometimes I start and I think, am I going to relate to this person? And no matter who they are, what they've done, where they've come from, I find something in it that's really interesting. But the guy was writing a book and he was, um, and he said, I became so closely linked to this book is, if this book is a success, I'm a success. If this book is a failure, I'm a failure. And when you stop and you detach yourself from that, and I, I had this conversation with a dancer this week in that they were so nervous at the Great Britons that they felt like they, well, they didn't dance how they could dance. And when I spoke to them, they they just wanted to, they felt pressure and the pressure was to dance their best and et cetera. I said, why do you feel that pressure? pressure? Because I want to make my teachers and my, my mom proud. And I'm like, yes. Do you think that, regardless of what happens on that day the end of the night comes you go home you go to bed you have your dinner and mom kisses you good night do you think she's not proud of you regardless of what happens they're pr- your parents and your teachers are often more proud of you when you overcome things that happen rather than yeah. winning something or yeah it doesn't doing your best. their pride doesn't come from the fact that you've got a sash and a silver cup their I had this come from- with the not long ago and I was like, are you going to let the number that judge writes on a piece of paper determine how you think your mum feels about you? Yeah. And she was like, oh, my goodness, that's so silly. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, when you put it that way, it's really silly. And again, that is like what you're saying. It's taking yourself and your self-worth away from what those, and you you mentioned it when we spoke about that, those three strangers write on a piece of paper about you. Exactly. And I had the same conversation with a dancer who was injured and she was absolutely devastated. She was going to be out for a long time. And I was, she, her identity was so closely linked to dancing that now she couldn't dance. She did not know what to do with herself. Right. So we talked a lot about identity and different parts of her identity and what else she is outside of an Irish dancer. Okay. And I think sometimes people that can remember that often have more resilience and can overcome things a lot easier. So much more. Only see, I was like this even up to retirement. So NLP definitely has helped me because even up to retirement a year ago, and I remember saying the same to you, Meg, I'm Annabelle, the Irish dancer. When I'm not the Irish dancer, when I'm not a dancer, what am I? And that's what I've spent the last 12 months really thinking about. But I think if dancers can do that earlier, when they have a bad result or a bad class, it's not going to affect them as much. Yeah, gonna, that makes so much sense. I feel like when we, when we did speak about that sort of identity side of things, I remember being, uh, everyone knows me from school, like my mom's friends, Megan, the dancer. I get introduced to people still to this day. I'm 30 years old. I haven't competed for 22 <laughs> years. Oh, thank God it's not that long. Um, for 12 years, I haven't competed. 
yes, I was in the show since that, but this is Megan Kerrigan. She she won the world. She's a world champion Irish dancer. I'm like, that is not who I am. There's so much more to me. And yes, I am proud. Yes, that is an amazing achievement. And I know so many people look up to that and wish that they could ever reach that. I completely get it. But I'm so, me as a person is so much more than that. There's a lot more about me that I'm proud of than being a world champion Irish dancer. Yeah, and I'm, 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 I'm a PT, I'm a fitness expert, I'm a friend, I'm a daughter. Yeah, I'm trustworthy, I'm kind, all those things that actually, they're way more valuable to me. It's it's just so interesting that, and people think they're like, I, I don't understand, I, I get it, because that's like, it is a great achievement. This is my, the world champion, she's a world champion Irish dancer. Great. That was 12 years ago in that time I am <laughs> I am a different person. I have so much more going. It's just, it's an interesting thing, that identity. It is. And when I was, I'm just thinking back now when I was saying before about like the pressure I was putting on myself to go and win silver cups in order to thank those and make those around me proud. I was, you know, as I've said, I wasn't a person that won a championship every every weekend. I probably won one a year at tops. Like I wasn't like this top name or anything like that. But I still put this pressure on myself. So it's not, I think sometimes people think those that are winning every week, you know, imagine the pressure they're under, you know, to win every week. There's dancers that are in eighth place that are putting that pressure on themselves. 100%. No one's side stage talking about it. You're looking at everyone else thinking they've all got it sorted and they're all fine. But actually I mean, everyone's everyone probably thinking fine. the same thing. Just everyone's little like, and everyone's looking around like, oh, well, she's got it sorted because she wins all the time. And the girl yeah. that wins all the time is going, well, I've got this pressure to win all the time and they haven't. They've not got... Everyone's looking at everyone else. No one's actually saying what they're thinking, but everyone's got their own thing. It's and even so you know, when I went to Morgan's and was talking to, you know, the likes of Rory McCabe and Leona and Patrick McKenna and then went to Marie's and, you know, there was Nadine and Faye and Hannah Hunt, and I was talking to all these people that I've looked up to for years and looked and think they've got it all sorted. And it was like, no one has it all sorted. Nope. No, no, no. And the same comes with, I suppose, now, looking at it from my perspective, I do the same looking at other people within what we do. So, like, other people, like, I looked up to Lauren Early and what she was doing and her, wow, I didn't even know that it was possible to create a business like this within Irish dancing. She made it possible. I used to look at her and think, oh, she's got it all together. Like, posts are always there. She's good at this. She's good at that. I was five years behind that. Yeah. I was still looking at at that and thinking, how do I get to there? Why is she better than me? Because she's five years ahead of you in this game. (laughs) And it is like, we're always looking around and comparing instead of thinking about our own individual, okay, how can I take the next step today to make me better? Um, And I think that's, that's always a valuable point to sort of come back to is, yes, some, if you look around, if you look for anything, you'll find it. Yeah, definitely. Whereas if you stop and you just focus on yourself and what next step you can take to go towards your goal, whether it be an inch or a mile that you move that day, then yeah. you're, you're going to be better in the long run. Okay. As it were, focus goes, energy flows. Oh, I like it. I like it. One of my clients. She loves that um, Okay, so this is quite a big question, and it's an interesting one. What did Irish dance give you that you didn't get from other areas of your childhood or, like, you developed? Management. Time management. Time management. Come back to that. Okay, tell me about it. Like, I mean, I'm an organised person, naturally. I would be a horrendous virtual assistant if I wasn't. (laughs) But you say naturally. Nothing is natural. We learn things. I've learned from a very early age. Yeah. Time management and organisation, my life, because I've always been busy, has been organised to the nth degree. I'm a twin. We are very different. He is nowhere near as organised or has got as much time management as I've got. Yeah, It's very different people and we've had very different upbringings because I was a dancer and he wasn't. I was going to say, did he do act, like sports when he was younger or was just less, way less busy than you were? Way less busy. He loves watching sports. Doesn't right. like doing it as much. <laughs> He'll watch right. any sports. He likes golf now, but didn't do anything really as a child as competitive as I was. Right. So definitely time management, organisation. You know, I was... I did a degree and a master's and started a business in a dance school that was two hours away from home. 
four times a week. Yeah. And it took one dance class off. Ever. Yeah. That was all I took off. And it, I always think if I can, it's possible if you make it so. Everything is possible if you, well, they talk about possibility. Things are possible if you prioritize them. So your priority was dancing, was your degree and was your business. Your priority probably wasn't at that point seeing your friends as often as possible, spending loads of time with your family without sounding bad. Like they they weren't your priority. And there's stages of life where you have to prioritise things. But because you made them a priority, they happened. Yeah, definitely. You know, people, I used to look around at dance class and people would say something and I'd be like, are you joking? Like, of course, you've got time to do it if you wanted to do it. And you hear dancers all the time say, I'd love to do that. but And I'm like, but you obviously don't want to enough. Don't want to do it enough, yeah. You would make time, you know, I, and some people advocate this and other people don't, and it's completely up to the person and up to their schedule. But I was up before school doing my practices then. So after school time could be spent doing homework. Right. When I was in high school, when I was year 10, year 11, older high school, when I was a bit older, enough to understand, I wasn't like 7, 8, 9, 10, yeah, 11, yeah. More, more 15, 16. But I had that. I always took and I always advocate for a responsible dancer. You know, take ownership of what you can do. Yeah. Take ownership of the decisions you make every day. And I think dancing as well as that definitely taught me resilience, especially that last 10 months of being injured and the COVID years definitely taught me resilience the COVID explain, re- explain resilience a little bit more for people that might not understand the word. That ability to keep going even when you get knocked. Yeah. Ability, you know, every time I picked a fesh to retire, I said it got cancelled for 20 yeah. months. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> I should, that should have been my anthem for the COVID <laughs> years. It was ridiculous. And it got to the point where it was a week before Scotland and I was like, are they going to cancel it? Bet you will yeah. be cancelled. Like, I almost, it wasn't until the day that I was like, oh, this is going ahead. Okay, then. Actual retirement day. And that, when I first injured my back, it took me a long time to mentally get to the point where I was like, okay, you can't do a lot of things, but what can you do? Yeah. That still helped. I spent a lot of time probably wallowing and being sad and being frustrated and angry. And I, I, I advocate that people feel their emotion, don't push it down. I was going to say that. Because if you push it down, it's going to come up at some point. You're going to knock a cup of tea over and have a meltdown at some point. Yeah. And we don't want that. It's good to feel your emotion. But I could have bounced back a lot quicker. When I then hit my ankle, it probably took about two weeks for me to bounce back. By the time it got to the third time of hitting my ankle, it was like three days. And I was like, right, yeah. what could I do? And that, again, like you say, that is learning resilience through experience, isn't it? Definitely, you know. I like plans. I like. I don't like change. I'm not a big fan of change at all. But it's even taught me, and it sounds so silly, but if I was looking forward to going out for a meal with my friends and then that got cancelled, that would really normally ruin the rest of my night. Right. Or the rest of my weekend. Yeah. Whereas it sounds so silly, but I'm getting used to change. And it is that resilience of you don't know that you're going to fall over and hurt your ankle. You don't yeah. know at the start of class you're going to be injured by the end. Yeah. It's that quick change and learning to cope with quick change, making peace with it and making a new plan. And adapting, yeah, adapting the plan to fit the new circumstances, I suppose. Yes, that's what I determine resilience to be anyway. That and sacrifice was my last thing I was going to say. Okay, sacrifice, we all know that, but we, we, won't, we won't dive too deep into that one right now. because I've got well, more Prioritise. Prioritise, yeah, it's better than sacrifice, isn't it? That's what we do, yeah. It's that I was thinking of like, you know, you sacrifice going to a friend's birthday party to go to the fesh. Yeah. But you don't. You actually just choose the fesh rather than the friend's birthday party. You'd yeah, like to do both. Yeah. You go for a few hours rather than have the sleepover. You just go yeah. for the day part. Yeah. Which I did yeah. a lot of times. But that also sets you up. That carries on in life. That's not just when you're young and you feel like you're missing out on all these things because my mum used to sit outside every party when I was eight, 17, 18, she'd sit outside and half 11, I'd get the text message, see you soon. And then I'd have to be in the car by midnight and home so that I'd had enough sleep for dancing the next day. And I remember thinking, oh, I just wish I could stand. But I'd still go out to the car. So like she wasn't coming in and dragging me out. She was giving me the little tip in the right direction. I'm outside now, whenever you're ready. Yeah. That's what and then you need. I would choose to leave because 
She never came in and dragged me out. I never pushed yeah. her that far. But she let me make that decision. I'm here. Let's go now. It's, it's a good time to go. Yeah. And get I'm ready if you want to make that decision. I'm yeah. ready. And yeah. Kate always said, you know, to get the most out of a dancer, you need a dedicated dancer, you need a supportive parent, and you need a good teacher. Yeah. And that little, that's your little fish team. Yeah, it's so true. That then little triangle people, is important. Then three people working together is going to get the best and the happiest and the most well-rounded result Yeah, at the end of the day. Of course. Um, tell me this then. Quickest answer, because we were running out of time. Okay. Who do you look up to? I had two people. One is Francis Dunn. Absolutely yeah. love Francis Dunn. Fantastic friend. First pe- person probably to really teach me that, although those people have globes, they're not perfect at all. Love that. Uh, uh, yeah, fantastic. And the other one is my auntie. My auntie, well, we call her Auntie Nini because we couldn't say Denise's kids. She's <laughs> got MS and she is the most resilient, determined, amazing person. And I love used that. to always think about her before I went on stage. Oh, and I love the best that. memory is when she came to Germany to watch me and Lord. Oh. And discovered Prosecco, and I don't think she can remember the rest of the night. <laughs> but <laughs> it was, it's honestly, she's like my number one fan. So, yeah, definitely. I her. love that. She'll remember the lack of memory, I'm sure. She remembers um, the Prosecco, let me tell you. Best advice that anyone's ever given to you? Um, I was stuck between a few, but I think most. To go with the conversation we've had, Marie Connell, be a shepherd, not a sheep. Mm-hmm. Marie loves that phrase, and it was all about don't just follow the crowd. Be the person that's doing the extra practice. Be the person when your teacher leaves the room to go to the toilet who doesn't stand around and talk. Yeah. Be the person that when, you know, someone needs help, that you go and help them. Yeah. Rather than just joining the crew and joining the... Yeah. If you don't want to do that, if that doesn't align with your values and your dreams and goals, then be the shepherd, not the sheep. I love that. Okay, nice one, Marie. Thanks for that. Um, (laughs) We have got a few quick fire questions. So I want you to just answer without any explanation, just straight first answer that comes to your mind. It's not that hard, I hope. Shouldn't be. Um, Favourite food? Chocolate. Favourite colour? Red. Favourite day of the week? Friday. Oh, favourite month? May. Is that your birthday? Yeah. <laughs> or December, I like Christmas. Oh, favourite time of the day? Favourite time of the day? The morning. Never used to like the morning, but now it's when I get lots of work done and the house is quiet and I have coffee. Productive, yes. <laughs> favourite place in the world? Rome. Oh, nice. Favourite Irish dance? Slip jig. And favourite person? My favourite person? I'd have to say my boyfriend, Callum. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one because everyone's like, oh no, who am I going to offend? <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. My mum will be fuming. Sorry, Who's going to be upset? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Recommend, this is like something that we do every with everyone. Recommend okay. me a habit that everyone can begin putting into their sort of daily schedule today. So something yeah. they can do every day, a habit. So something that's sort of like the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. Set a small goal. Okay, tell us more. Big into goal setting. I get my mindset dancers to set a small goal every week for the next seven days. And I just think if you can get to the end of the day and you've accomplished one thing, that's going to build your confidence. It's going to build your self-esteem. At the end of the week, you can look back and be like, I've done seven things this week that are either going to make me a better dancer or a better person yeah. Or a more well-rounded person. So, yes, yeah, set a small goal, definitely. Give us an example of a small goal that you would set. For a dancer or for myself? Or for yourself, like each week. Um, so I like to make sure, because I work a lot, that I have time in the day to do my own thing. So it could be spend 30 minutes reading today. Yeah. Or for a dancer, it could be make sure I've drank two litres of water. Yeah. Or today I'm going to do Amy's 15-minute stretch of the morning. Yeah. Which is what I did this morning. If right, any of the goals setting people are listening, for months I've said, I'm going to do Amy's stretch of the morning and I haven't done it. Well, today was the day. Yeah, take it off the list. So my goal minutes, said, it's, not, it's hard to get out of bed, but once you've done it, you feel so much better, right? I actually really enjoyed it. It was really good. There you go. Why are you shocked? Because <laughs> I'm not a big fan of stretching. There you go. See? So, and if I'm going to enjoy it, you always feel so much better. Now, um, 
this I actually have highlighted today because somehow I even got away with this one. I missed oh. it out. This is going to be a little tradition that we do with everybody on the podcast. Hopefully everyone on the podcast knows what this is, but lilt me a reel. No, I'm not doing <laughs> Go that. On. Go on. I can't even think of a reel now off the top of my head. <laughs> I just like to hear what everyone's like go-to is. Come on. I know because I can only do steps. I work in words. Come on. You can lilt a reel. Oh, you go first. Well done. It's so funny just to hear what people's like go to tune is. I had to think about my step in my head before I could think about a reel. We do. I would work in like words as well rather than like Lilton. It's yeah, I work in words. <laughs> and then finally, and this is a really great one to sort of tie up. Um, I asked four questions from like the audience, questions from people on Instagram. And you got one sort of main one, which I think is a brilliant one to finish on because it's going to give us a little bit more of an insight into what you do. But Roisin Donnan asked, why do you do mindset work? And what do you do with your mindset clients? And I know we've kind of touched upon like, what you do a little bit with them but just give us sort of like a rounded answer as to why you do it and what say say someone's starting off with one-to-one mindset sessions what would they expect so why I do mindset sessions is basically going back to the quote be the person you needed when you were younger like I would have been the ideal person (laughs) I would have been the ideal clients for these sessions and it's to help dancers it's to help dancers that are maybe struggling with nerves self-confidence self-esteem putting too much pressure on themselves people that even like they know what their goal is they know what they want but they've got a bit of a block maybe they're not doing their practice but they don't know why they can't motivate themselves to do it there's some block in the middle that they need to work through with me um so they're the people that I tend to work with that's why I do it because I just think I would have probably been a happier and a more successful dancer if I'd had this yeah. and I'd worked with sports psychs before but Irish dancing is so niche that their advice probably wasn't applicable yeah. to what I needed. Well like yeah and areas of it is applicable but when you've got that person that completely understands the world that you're in and that makes such a difference I feel. Yeah they were like then you can know afterwards ask the judge what they thought of you dancing and I was like yeah you can't do that. <laughs> you can't well, you get can. that imagine like excuse me knocking yeah. on their shoulder like I don't think they'd be impressed and then if people were starting mindset sessions um the first session is basically just a big informal chat where I get to know the dancer I get to know why they've come to me I get to know their goals or their background they may think they're just having a chat with me we talk about their friends we talk about their dance school but I'm writing notes down all the time and it's so I can plan the next sessions in advance to get the most out of them sessions we yeah. do some goal setting they get some homework we talk about strengths, achievements. We make some affirmations. We do lots of different things, yeah. but I absolutely love them. And it's one of my favorite hours of the day is when I get a mindset client. And do you think what's sort of like the biggest coming away from it? And I know that I know you've received a lot of messages. What are the biggest turnarounds that you've seen in people from starting with you doing the one-to-one mindset sessions to like, getting a message to say, Annabelle, you have seriously made such a difference here. Like, what what big changes have you seen in dancers? Oh, some fantastic changes. It's absolutely unbelievable. There's a young girl I've been working with for a long time, since July, actually, and we're obviously coming up to November, December, and the difference in her, you know, mum messaged me, and they were at the end of their tethered. Conversations weren't fun anymore. She was, she'd been sick at every fest for 12 months, every single fest, without fail. And we've now gotten to the point we've worked through a lot of things that, you know, I don't even have to ask her anymore. Have you been sick at the fest this weekend? Like, it just doesn't come up anymore at all. That's amazing. They have fun. Um, She's about to do our last session and I'm qualifying in a few weeks' time. So I'm very excited. I was lucky enough to meet her in person in Scotland. But people that wanted to, like, quit fashion, they've absolutely hated it to being, like, really motivated and excited and set themselves some goals and, some of the turnarounds I've seen have just been unbelievable and it just, it makes everything so worthwhile. I love that. And I think the difference in it, it's crazy because it does seem to a lot of people still, I think people are a lot more open 
some mindset work and working on their sort of mental blocks nowadays. But I still think people are a bit wary of like, how does that help? But the changes that you, you do see are incredible, aren't they? And just what comes out of your body, you could be working on your body and working on your fitness and working on all these things at class. And then you can get to a bash and this can stop all of that coming out. Oh, and that was me at every single qualifying for years. And my poor teachers didn't know what to do with me. They tried yeah. everything. Yeah. But, and you know, you'll see it all the time. The dancer feels one way. Mum tries to help and they've said inadvertently the wrong thing to the dancer. Yeah. Clashes. And I deal with all that at the, as well, um, which is quite common. I'm sure you've seen that before. Oh, yeah, that was me as well. Me and mum would, would definitely be different sides of the room on fesh day. And if we're spending every other weekend fashion, we want it to be enjoyable. We want it to be fun. We don't want it to be a bad experience. Yeah. And it's about turning, you know, even people that are anxious going to dance class that are now going into every class. Skipping it's in just, and happy. Yeah, and they're ready to go and aren't bothered that any, everyone's watching them and they're like, yeah, well, I've worked really hard. Come and watch me. Yeah. It's and just there's that like, huge changes, yeah, and that can unlock such a different level to your performance and different level to your, not only enjoyment, but actually results-driven too. Oh, 100%. I definitely didn't qualify for some years and it was my own mindset in the practice room. Yeah. And, you know, I end up in tears every year before I'd got on stage. I might as well have not danced. Yeah, it's like, crazy. And I went from, you know, being in that mentality and not qualifying to multiple seconds and then winning it eventually. Yeah. And it was a big mindset shift and it was a lot of learning. But that's what I want to teach people so they don't have to go from being 13 and then getting it, getting the answer when they're 26. Yeah. I want to give them the answer at 13 or 8 or however old they are when they come to me. And if you were to say, like, the ideal amount of sessions... I don't know, it's different with every dancer. I know that I know that's going to be part of the answer. Um, but the ideal sort of or the average amount of sessions you you feel like you need with somebody to get to that, what what would you say? As you say, it's different with every dancer. Some dancers come to me and after four sessions, I'm like, yeah, you're ready. Okay. Like, you're ready to go. There's other dancers that after four sessions, I'm like, you could do with another four because we're only just getting the breakthrough. Yeah. That dancer that I worked with from July. It was only about halfway through when we really, really got the breakthrough yeah. because it's a lot of mental work to go back to. Yeah. So it does. It definitely does depend on the dancer and how like deep their needs are. But normally from the first session, I can have a good idea. Yeah. And the other thing is how much work they do outside of your sessions, I think. Exactly. Well, I'm assuming. Most, people, most people are good at doing their homework. I'll give yeah. that to them. Most they are. are good. But I say this to every mindset dancer. No one else is in your mind. No one else can do this for you. It's so true. You have to make, if you've got 14 years of thinking in one way, it's going to take a lot of practice and a lot of hard work to rewire that brain to think yeah. in a different way. Yeah. It's not going to automatically happen because we've spoken for an hour. And that's, I think that's a really key point that everyone needs to think about. The same comes with our one-to-one -one online coaching. We know you, you might think we can't tell, but we can tell if you've gone away and you've done those two exercises we've given you, or you haven't, we know, because we can see like it. Your and teachers can tell if you've gone home and practiced, even if you put your hand up and say you have, your yeah, teachers can tell. 100%. And the only person that's losing out is you. You're doing this for yourself. We are there to sit and guide. We are there to help you. We're there to give you the tools. We're there to be your support, but we're not there we're not able to be there 24 hours a day and remind you to try thinking in a different way or remind you you've only done one set of that that piece of homework this week. So I think that's a really key piece of information to remember. We are here. We're the support. We are the tool. But you guys are actually responsible. And like you said, Rick, be a responsible dancer. You're the person that's making the difference. And that's why when people say to me, thank you, you've made such a difference. Well, no, actually. You made that difference because I gave you the things, yes, but you went away and you put them into place. So it's your responsibility and it's your result at the end of the day. Yeah, you're the one that's going to go on stage or be side stage. You can either be side stage and be like, I have done everything in my power yeah. to dance and to have a good result and to enjoy my time on stage, which is going to fuel you with confidence rather than be side stage. You go, oh, I should have done them exercises more or I didn't practice my set dance Oh, yeah. I didn't do this. I didn't think that way. I've not done Annabelle's homework. That is not going to fill you with confidence walking on stage. Yeah, you want to be able to go and be on stage and not have to think about regrets or anything that you've not done. 
give yeah, yourself the best chance it's up to you to give yourself the best chance exactly exactly and that is i think the perfect point to tie things up how did you find that good i enjoyed it yeah and the thing is it's quite funny because these are just the conversations that we actually have I book a meeting, <laughs> Annabelle, and we're on the meeting putting the world to rights for like two hours. Um, and like walking the dog, voice note and Megan. Literally. <laughs> um, but that's why we we love our jobs. We're passionate about making changes and hopefully you sort of get that from the conversations that we've had today. Um, so Oops. thank you very much for joining me, Annabelle. Thank um, you for having me. We will see you very soon. Enjoy work today and I'll chat to you <laughs> You too. See you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to Meg Talks. Don't forget to share your favourite parts of the episode and tag us on Instagram at movewithmeg with two Gs. And as a special treat, head to movewithmeg.co.uk forward slash Fesh Day Warm Up to access your free video. See you next time. <laughs>